0: Chapter Twenty. Glad that you're here today with us. I'm uh, just one of many helping to intercede. Uh, intercede is a word that we use in about prayer, but it also means to go between. We think about in the Old Testament, um, Ezekiel's ministry. God said he he looked for those that would stand in the gap, and he didn't find any. Well, he's looking at our church for men and women who will stand in the gap in these days with our pastor and with Melissa, and he's, he's seeing many men and women stand in the gap here, and so I'm just one, uh, one of those alongside you who are able to stand in the gap, and I appreciate the opportunity and the trust to stand here in this place uh, in which God has called Pastor Jeff to be our leader, our teacher, our pastor, and... Um, as you have your Bibles in Matthew 20, I just want to give you a couple of little cheesy things to get you thinking. What, what do you call a chicken crossing the road? This is new to me. It may not be new to you. Poultry in motion. Yeah, poultry in motion. What do you call a boomerang that doesn't work? A stick. What do you call four bullfighters in quicksand? Cuatro cinco. Where do you find a dog with no legs? Right where you left him. (laughs) Sorry, dog lovers. Sorry. (laughs) What do you call cheese that isn't yours? Nacho cheese. What do you call a man who falls into an upholstery machine? Fully recovered. Um, What do you call a Christian who isn't serving? Unfortunately, that one's not funny. What do you call a Christian who isn't serving? Uh, that's that's a contradiction, a contradiction. Unfortunately, well, we want today, we want to um, look at the word of God in Matthew chapter 20, as we um, as we consider becoming a servant. Becoming a servant today. Go to Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20 in your scripture, and let's look. Uh, pick up in verse uh, 20 in Matthew uh, chapter 20. Familiar passage. I want us to look at it from the idea of, of, of service, of becoming a better servant. You know, you're not just saved, you're not just saved to get your ticket to heaven. You're, you're saved to an abundant life, right? Would you agree with that? We're we're redeemed for a reason. We we as the church are saved to serve, someone has said. We're, we're mobilized for ministry. Yes, there's pie in the sky and the sweet by and by and all that kind of stuff. But until God calls us home, we're to be busy serving Him through His local church. And did you know the only way to serve God in this life, the only way to serve God in this life is to serve others. It's the only way. You don't get to step into the throne room of heaven and give ministry to the presence of God. We don't get to join the angels in what's been going on in the presence of God uh, all the way back to when He created the angels. In this life, the only way we can serve God is to serve others. So let's look at Matthew chapter 20. Uh, We'll pick up in verse 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons, and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. And she said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And they said, Sure, we will. We can. Verse 23, Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. Verse 24, When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercised authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, Salome is the the mother of the the sons of uh, Zebedee. She's the wife of Zebedee. She's the mother of of James uh, and John. And she comes to Jesus. By the way, if you look up in chapter 20, she comes to Jesus after he's told a great parable about paying the workers what he chooses to pay them, those that worked all day and those that worked just, a, you know, even half a shift or half an hour at the end of the day. He says, I can do what I want. I'm the master. I'm going to give grace where I give grace. I can do what I want. He predicts his own death again, and then she steps up she steps up and makes a, request, makes a request of Jesus. It's within this text for the next few minutes that I want us to see some steps that we can take, some, some ways that we can hopefully change our thinking and then change our, our actions in our church. Now, let me say this. Talking about being a servant and mentioning at that string of cheesy uh, little anecdotes there, what do you call a Christian who's not serving a contradiction? We're we're not here to get beat up today. You know, if if we wanted to try to motivate you as a staff to serve in the church alongside of us, and alongside of many other people who are serving, we would just, you know, go get the preschoolers who are just packed in like sardines and parade them up here and have them look with real sad faces. And I really wish someone would teach me about Jesus, you know. And we'd all, get, we'd all feel really, really guilty. And then next week, Angela would have like 50 people back there, and, and, and we'd all be in the way. But listen, we, if, we, if we wanted to try to motivate, motivate you by guilt, it would work. But watch this. It would only work for about a month. And then the guilt would wear off, and then we would go back to the way we were. So what we want to do is, is look at this little passage here and look at the life of Jesus and see if there's some steps that we can take. Uh, some steps that we can take to becoming a servant if I'm not currently serving or to becoming a better servant. Look at verses 20 and 21. First of all, if you're taking notes on the back of the outline, uh, on the worship bulletin there, if you're taking notes, the first thing we need to do is check our heart. Check our heart. Notice in verses 20 and 21, it says that Salome came. That's her name. She came and she, she threw herself before Jesus. She kneeled down. She, she submitted to his lordship. She, she fell at his feet. She was saying, Jesus, I know this is completely up to you, and I'm doing this, I'm doing this with her actions, she's saying, under your lordship. However, however, she needed to check her motives and check her heart because if we were to, if we were to slide over, if you're in your, your Bible on your iPad or something, just slide over to the left there. Matthew chapter 19, look at verse 28, Matthew 19. She, she needed to check her motives. Now, we're not sure if she, exactly sure if she was here uh, during the unfolding of this teaching of Jesus, but probably she was, or she had heard it before. He says in Matthew 19, verse 28, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So she's heard Jesus teach this, probably, and she says, Not only, boys, do I want you to have a throne in the kingdom of God, with our master, but I think, boys, we need to put you at the right and at the left. But look at verse 30. She must not have heard, she must have got sleepy toward the end of the teaching. Verse 30, Jesus said, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. Somehow, she missed it, or watch this, just in trying to help her sons be everything that they could be and be the best that they could be in the kingdom work, somehow, some way, her heart got distracted. Somehow, some way, her motives got off. Somehow, some way, she heard the part about the thrones, but she missed the part about being a servant leader. And if you want to be first, you need to be last. And many who are last, in fact, are going to be first. So she comes to the feet of Jesus, and she kneels at his feet. She falls at his feet, and she says, Jesus, I want you to put my sons one at your right and one at your left. Listen, if we want to improve our serve, We've got to check our motives. We've got to check our heart. Here's what we're talking about. We're not just talking about motives as in in, what do I get out of it, but what are our motivations? What are our motivations? If I'm plugged into the preschool, I'm plugged into the children or the preteens or to the students or I'm plugged into a men's and women's group or I'm plugged in here in the kitchen or I stand outside and try to create some enthusiasm and greet people when it's hot and when it's cold, when the wind's blowing and when it's not, if I'm serving inside here as an usher or a greeter, if I'm, if I'm plugged into the behind-the-scenes stuff in the office at the church, whatever it is, if I, if I go to camp with the kids, if I serve in vacation Bible school, listen, what we're talking about is we, we're talking about the motivations in our heart. Why am I doing it? She goes to Jesus. Why did she ask for it? I think that she wanted, she wanted a position for her son's Instead of the privilege of serving her Savior. What are your motives? Why do you serve? You serve so Pastor Jeff will pat you on the back. By the way, he's pretty good at that, isn't he? He's pretty good at patting us who serve and and, and teach. And whether it's behind the scenes or out front, he's, he's pretty good at patting us on the back. I enjoy it. I appreciate it. I like an attaboy. But if we're only doing it for Pastor Jeff to pat us on the back... That's pretty much the end of our reward there, isn't it? It sort of starts and stops with that attaboy as he pats us on the back. What I want us to do today is just to stop and say, Lord, why am I serving you? What's my reason for serving you? What's going on in my heart that causes me to be of service in your kingdom work at the church at Bushland? Or maybe you would stop during this step, this encouragement, Say, well, you know, Carter, I'm not really serving anywhere right now. Again, it's the same step. Check, check your motivations. Check your heart. Why are you not serving? For some in this room, it could be because myself or another staff member, because we haven't asked you to serve. For some of you in this room, it may be that you see others doing it better than you think that you could ever do it, so why even try? For others of you, your, your, kids, your kids may be so difficult to be around. You just need a break, you know, on Sundays. or. I mean, let's just be honest here. Maybe you just need a break on Sunday or Wednesday. I mean, let's face it. We've got a great children's and preschool ministry on Wednesday nights and student ministry. It's just not a bad night. It's not a bad thing to have an hour and a half to go get some dinner as a husband and wife. I mean, let's just be honest. Where are your motivations? Where's your heart? Salome may have started out with the right heart, but her motivations seem to be selfish. By the time she gets, she gets to the feet of Jesus. The second thing I want us to consider, the second step, the second way we can improve our service, is not just, not just to uh, check our motives, our heart, our motivations, but number two, expect difficulty. Expect that it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. Remember what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane? He knew what his ministry was. He knew what was coming. He didn't just just think what might happen when he went to the cross. He knew. He's 100% man, but he's 100% God. And he knows in his flesh that it's going to take every ounce of strength and blood and wherewithal to be faithful to the Father's calling on his life. And you remember what he prayed in the garden? He said, Father, I really prefer that this cup, that I not have to drink this cup tonight in the morning. I really wish this cup would pass over me. But then, of course, he said, not my will, Father, but, but your will be done. You're going to have to expect expect difficulty. Expect difficulty. Notice her difficulty in verse 22. Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And she she and the sons of Zebedee, James and John, they said, yes, Lord, we can drink. We, We can drink of this cup. Listen, you can't beat kingdom ministry. If you want to do something with your volunteer hours, you cannot have a better return on the investment of your time and your talents and your treasure than in the kingdom of God, amen? There's some great ministries in Amarillo. Compared to cities, I bet we could match up against any city in the United States with the type of volunteer, nonprofit, meet the needs of the least of these ministries in our community of any city of our size in the United States. And you can't beat specifically the investment of your time, talents, and treasures in the kingdom of God through the ministries of the church at Bushland. But can I tell you something? It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. There are going to be times when you don't feel like getting up on Sunday mornings, when you've worked all day and you don't feel like showing up on Wednesday nights, even though, by the way, here's a little sales pitch. If you serve and work on Wednesday night, there's some ladies that will feed you in here about 5 or 5.30 on Wednesday. So a little incentive there, all right? Listen, you're going to face some difficulty. You're going to be tired on Wednesday you're not going to want to show up. Can I tell you about a lady who told me that she didn't face any difficulty until I was in her Sunday school class? Can I tell you about that? <clears throat> I had some I had some really good friends my age in church, and in 6th grade Sunday school, we were pretty we were pretty rambunctious. And these were the days when not just at school, but at church you would still hear kids getting swats with a belt out in the hallway in the, in the education wing. Remember when we used to have education wings? Upstairs, downstairs. I was in Sunday school in the day when you'd still get a spanking from somebody in the church during Sunday school for misbehaving. Anybody remember those days? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a whole list of men. Most of them have gone on to be with Jesus, but every now and then I'll see one of them at Walmart, and I'm still scared of some of those guys that lit me up back in the day. Let me tell you about this lady, about about a month or two into that new Sunday school year, remember the new Sunday school year would start, about a month of that into it, she sat all sixth grade boys down, and she said, I've been teaching Sunday school for 30 years, and I've never had any boys that act like you do. And we thought that was a compliment at first. (laughs) Well, praise the Lord, we finally showed up, and now you're having fun. And she, she quit the next week. And so uh, that's a true story. That's a true story. We struggled through just women, men, parents, grandparents, some young adults that they thought they could trick into us uh, into it. And finally, we, we made it to seventh grade, and we got a, a guy named Joe and I won't tell that story again. I told it to the students and youth workers a couple weeks ago, and, and he, he changed my life. He changed the life of... The guys in our class. Listen, and just a note about Joe. The guy that came in there and stuck with us us knowing he was going to face difficulty. By the time we are seniors in high school, when it's hard to get your senior boy awake because you let him stay up too late or maybe he's got a job or whatever. On Sunday mornings in a church running 300, we had 20 senior boys almost every Sunday at Sunday school because of Joe Brogdon. You're going to face difficulty. Joe faced it. Uh, but he wasn't afraid to hit us. So let's go to step three. You're going to face difficulty. The third reminder, the third step, the third, the third way, the third consideration for becoming a better servant. Number three is this: just continue to put others first. Continue to put others first. Look at verse. Look at verse 24. When the the other ten disciples, verse 24 in Matthew 20. When they heard about this, they were indignant uh, with the two brothers. It, it, it didn't, the, the word there is, is greatly afflicted, is one old translation. They were really hacked off. It didn't just make them mad that the sons of Zebedee are asking for right and left. It, it didn't just make them mad that they got their mama to ask for the right and the left. It just, you ever get a rage within you over something that, that pops up? Maybe over your kids, that daddy adrenaline kicks in and you, you act like a fool and you sound like a fool somewhere because of all that bubbling up in you. The, the other 10 got really mad. They got really hacked off. Um, they, they, were just, they were just sort of appalled that these two guys would step in there and ask for the right uh, uh, and the left of Jesus. Just a little side note here. Have you ever noticed... How the sins of other people make you angry. And sometimes it's the shortcomings or the sins that you see in those people that you don't like about yourself. Have you ever noticed that? I think they were mad at James and John and oh, you brought your mama to Jesus, you know, kind of a thing. But I think at the same time maybe they're thinking, well, why didn't we ask for that? We, we wanted to sit by the preacher at the head table at the lunch why don't we think of that? We want to be on the right or left hand of Jesus. Why did not we think of that? Listen, let me say this. If you don't get anything else today, get this. Selfishness always results in dissension. Selfishness always results in dissension. Serving, serving together will always zap the dissension. Selfishness leads to dissension. When we recognize there's dissension there, we begin to serve together, and it just zaps the energy from that dissension that raises its ugly head. Put others others first. Notice what Jesus does here. Look at verse 25. Notice what he does. The beginning of verse 25, it says, First of all, Jesus called them together. You see that? Jesus called them together. If we start to see something in somebody else that we don't like, and me, let's consider maybe it's what we don't like about ourselves, don't, don't stay by yourself. I'm in the trucking business. I do sales and marketing for a trucking company. And one of the worst things that our dispatchers can do is to get in an argument with the driver over on the phone about something and create some tension, and then that driver has got 10 hours on the open highway to think about that all by himself. All by himself. Here's the point. If you get mad at somebody, don't stay by yourself and let that stew over and over. Just driving down the road of your life. Let's get together. Jesus called together the disciples. And notice what he said to them. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. If you want to be great, and let's, let's, just, let's be honest here. How many of you would like the testimony on your life that you are great in the kingdom of God? I I would love that testimony. I would love on my life while I'm living preferably, but at my funeral, I would love for people to be able to say he spent his life in great service for the kingdom of God. I would love to be considered great in the kingdom of God. But notice what Jesus said. Whoever wants to be considered great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Now, most of you that just went right in one ear and out the other, but think about the ancient world. Slaves were property. Slaves of all nationalities, all skin colors, slaves were property. They weren't, they weren't second class citizens, they were lower in most places than the animals. And when you couldn't perform at a certain level, you just needed to be killed so you weren't a waste of food. And Jesus is saying to them, if you want to be great, you got to be a servant. In fact, if you want to be first, you're going to have to function as a slave. Now, there are different types of slave interpretations in the Scripture, but my favorite is a slave idea where I choose to make myself a bond servant to somebody else. I choose to subjugate my desires and my will and my pleasures and my choices and what's in it for me. I choose not just to put those second, but I choose to do away with those and attach myself to someone or a group of someones to be their servant. Now, the only way to do that longer than a month or if you run into some guys like me teaching sixth grade is, the only way to do that is to subjugate here your mind, your heart, and your life, and your choices and your pleasures, choose to become a bondservant to Jesus. When I choose to make myself a servant and a slave of his, watch this, then I've got the energy, I've got the wherewithal, I've got the resources then to attach myself to a group of kids, or a group of adults, or some in, somewhere in between, to attach myself to them and to be their servant. It can't be done. It can't be sustained on our own. We can only put others first when we put Jesus first in our life. It's the only way it'll last. It's the only way it'll last. So we've got to put, we've got to put others first. This was just such a radical teaching in the ancient world when Jesus, when Jesus spoke this. When Jesus spoke this. Well, we're almost through. I want to point out the contrast in Matthew, though. If you want to gain your life, what do you do according to Holy Spirit in the book of Matthew? You've got to lose it, right? If you want to have eternal life, you've got to have the faith of a child. If you're going to receive, first you have to give. If you want to be great, as we said, you've got to be a servant. Well, last, what's the last step, the last reminder? It's simply this, follow the example of Jesus. Follow the example of Jesus. Would you go over to Philippians chapter 2, if you have your Bibles out still. Go over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We'll start in verse 3. Follow the example of Jesus. The motivation of Jesus. Verse twenty-eight, back over in Matthew twenty, said that he he came not to not to serve, to be served, but to serve. Jesus said, "I came not to be served, but to serve." Look in Philippians two, start verse three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each but each of you to the interests of others. Verse five. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. As Christ Jesus. The same motives, the same heart as Jesus. Verse 6. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Follow the example of Jesus. Follow the example of Jesus. Why is it so hard for us to do this? I mean, it is so hard. How many of you love, how many of you love world-class customer service? At restaurants, at resorts, vacations. I mean, you've experienced world-class customer service. Pax and I were talking about this recently. You've experienced it to such a level when you don't get it, it sort of hacks you off, right? You're like, boy, these people don't. These people don't get it like so-and-so does. This restaurant doesn't get it like so-and-so. This place doesn't get it like so-and-so. We, 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 don't we really prefer, we prefer world-class world class customer service over weak customer service? We prefer that out there, but it's hard for us to give. It's contrary to our human nature to think about world. We don't even use that term in church, do we? Most churches don't. We don't talk. We talk about the things of God, but listen, sometimes the easiest way to remove the stumbling blocks to the very throne room of God is to create such a culture of service that from the time people drive up until they make it through the nursery and the student building and the worship center until they leave the ministry of the kingdom of God and the place of God and the house of God, sometimes one of the best things that we can do is seek to give world-class customer service in order that we're stepping stones to Jesus and not stumbling blocks in the way of people. What if we said, in God's house that I call my church, I'm going to follow the example of Jesus to such a level that when people come there, I want them to experience the ministry of God in the vehicle of world-class customer service. I think it would radically change what we do in following the example of Jesus. But it's our choice. I close with this. It's our choice. Have you heard of bucket theology? There's two choices in the bucket theology. In one bucket, Pilate washes his hands of Jesus and says, It's not me. Take him away. That's one choice today. Carter, thank you very much. Feel a little, feel a little heavy from that message, but thank you very much, and I'll wash my hands of it and just continue to do what I do. The other type of bucket theology in the upper room in John 13 has Jesus literally taking off his outer garment, throwing a towel over his shoulder, and picking up a bucket of water And watch this, doing what his disciples should have done when they all walked in that place for the Lord's Supper. It should have already been done. How many of you know that? You've studied the ancient, you know, uh, idea of foot washing. I mean, the place is dirty. The man of the house, the real men of the house are supposed to wash the feet of everybody who comes into that place. But when we get to that point in John chapter 13, nobody's done it, have they? They want to sit by Jesus and recline by Jesus and be across the table from Jesus and experience that supper with him, but nobody wanted to wash anybody's feet. You remember what Jesus said? Bucket theology, remember what he said? As I've done for you, you do for each other. Listen, this isn't a really difficult theological message today. There's not a lot of rocket science that needs to be extrapolated. We don't need to go to the Greek or the Hebrew to understand today. We're just, talking about, we're just talking about loving Jesus and loving other people and getting off the couch of complacency and getting out there and serving somebody. That's what we're talking about today. Bucket theology, which bucket will you use? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for this opportunity to consider the example of our Savior who came to this earth and did not consider His privileges in heaven worth keeping Him from coming to be our Savior and our Lord. Father, we know there's going to be difficulty along the way. There's no, we know that the motivations many days won't get us out of bed, won't, won't allow us to continue from work, through Wednesday night. We know know we're going to run into some kids uh, and some people who are just, they're hard to deal with. But Lord Jesus, may we follow your example. May we be the kind of servants during our life, but at the end of our lives, people will say, that man or that woman invested themselves in great service in the kingdom of God. And Father, more than that testimony in this life, may we stand before our Heavenly Father one day, and He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. As you've done for us, Jesus, we intend to do for others. In this place today where there are prayer servants down front, if somebody is not sure that if they, if they passed away, if it was their time, if there's somebody here who's not sure that they know you as personal Savior, when they step out and get some help. Father, if there's somebody here today who's who's struggling with something in their life they need a healing touch in their bodies they need a reconciliation in their relationships at home God if there's somebody here who needs some wisdom may they step out for prayer and Father if there's somebody who's been sitting on the sidelines of another church they see a place in which they can come and serve and invest themselves fully in the kingdom of God at the church of Bushland may they step out and join us today Lord Jesus as you've done for us we intend to do for others. That's our prayer today in the kingdom of God, in Jesus' name. Amen.